Oh, okay, great, great. Uh, so, and I know he's excited about reaching Toronto for Christ, and that's really awesome. And I appreciate so much. And if Brayden was here, I'd get him to read this portion of scripture. But this rascal didn't show up today. But at any rate, um, Acts chapter 16. And we're going to start down in verse uh, 22. Acts 16 and verse number 22. And the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid them uh, strips upon them, stripes upon them, they cast them into prison charging the tra- jailer to keep them safely, who have received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's band was loose. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be in church. Thank you for Sparrow Baptist Church. And I pray, Lord, that you encourage them, Lord, as they uh, bring forth the answer to the greatest question. And, Lord, as you work in their hearts in the realm of missions here and around the world, Lord, I pray that you encourage our hearts now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Questions. I have had four children. I've had asked lots of questions. Questions, questions, as they're younger. And as they get older, it's different questions. And you have heard lots of questions. Probably the greatest question in Toronto right now is, when will the pandemic end? That's probably the greatest question. And then there's, uh, you know, when, when will the economy pick up? Or, uh, and then in June, we look forward to being asked the question, who are you going to vote for? Can't wait. You know, like, this is all these questions. Uh, and everybody's asking questions. You know, songs we sang today, you know, uh, there's people asking questions. There is a lot of people walking by empty in their hearts yeah. with a smile on their face. Right. Sometimes not a smile. You can't even tell what's going on behind the mask. Mm-hmm. And this man, in this text, he is a sin-hardened man. Mm-hmm. He's a pagan. He didn't believe in God. Not at all. And he asked the most important question anyone in the world can ask. And there's people in the world asking this question too. What must I do to be saved? If you look at this verse, you'll see some things that the prisoner or the the jailer could have asked, like, why are you still here? (laughs) You guys could have run already, right? I mean, why haven't all the prisoners gone? And he could have said, who am I going to blame? We we live in a society today, blame someone else. He could be looking around for someone else to blame. But instead, this man has an intense problem, and he says, and he has a problem like every, every one of us are not jailers, but everyone in this world has the same problem. He needs to be saved. Amen. And he goes, what must I be to be saved? And I want to examine this. I don't know everybody's testimony here this morning, but I'm going to guarantee you, if you know Christ is saved, there's people in your life who are searching. They might not tell you, yeah. but they're looking. They're absolutely looking. And I'm going to tell you, it's been heightened through COVID. Yeah. People are looking. 
And they've missed the interaction. They've looked online, poor people. They've seen some crazy stuff out there. But they're looking. They're watching. People in Toronto, people in Mississauga, where I pastor, they're looking. And we want to look at this just a little bit more. And, and this church is, is amazing because we're going to look at some of the people there and just, they represent every church. In Toronto, Mississauga, the other side of the world, wherever you are. There's some representation everywhere you go. Uh, the reason for his question, well, he was afraid, wasn't he? That's, that's the first reason. He was afraid. This believer, was, or this jailer was going to die. That's what he thought. Under Roman law, he was responsible for everybody that was in that prison. He lost any prisoners. He lost his life. That's what it was. So it was fear of the punishment of death that drove him to the feet of Paul and Silas. Now, everyone gets saved the same way, amen, through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's it. There's no other way. Okay, no other way. But we're all on different paths to that decision. Everybody's in different paths in life. And we're going to see that here in just a moment. Everybody is from a different place. Everybody comes from a different background. And, but there's three people that are mentioned in this church in Philippi. Okay? And, and in my 20 years of ministry, I've seen this play out time and time and time again. The first one, and, and, and I, I was a church planter in rural Newfoundland. And I saw this. I am a pastor now of a church in a very urban area, and I see this, okay? First is Lydia. She's in this chapter back in verse number 14, if you want to turn back there, and just see her, and a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended unto things which were spoken of of Paul. This Lydia represents those who are already searching or know Christ already, or they're almost there. Paul's helping her out, all right? Uh, I don't know exactly if she's saved at this first point, but she is saved later. We know that. Okay? She's searching. She's at the riverside looking for answers. That's where they would go to pray. People who are not searching don't go there just to... They know what's there. They don't want that. Those people who walked by here this morning, I've seen them. They don't care there's church here. They're not searching for an answer. All right? But there's others who are. They're, they're, They're searching for answers. And she's interested in spiritual things, and, and Paul finds her and leads her to Christ. I've met folks like that. Uh, I can think of a lady that we led to the Lord in Newfoundland, uh, in Deer Lake. That's the town we were in, starting a church. She literally found out about us. She sought us out. She, she was introduced. She worked at a local motel, and we had a group come through to our church for a vacation Bible school. Okay, so they'd come in our community, blitz the area. We'd have like 30, 40 kids come. It was great, great times. But we rented a facility like this. We didn't have our own church building. And so we, we would have them come in and do it. And she was working at the motel and met the people at the Vacation Bible School team. And they told her about our church. She showed up the next Sunday and we're like, hi, who are you? We've never seen her before. And she was in tow with her two boys. She started coming and she didn't stop coming. And then the next vacation Bible school, we're in the rented facility like this. The room was actually pretty much the same size as this. I had a little kitchen, two bathrooms, a little entry foyer. That was it. It was actually a senior's complex that we'd rent for it. And uh, after the person, I can't remember who was leading the vacation Bible school that day, they gave an invitation to come to Christ. The lady came up to my wife and said, I need to be saved. Mm. And guess where my wife led her to the Lord? In the bathroom, the same size as the one you have here. In the ladies' washroom. Uh, that's probably the most unique place we've led someone to the Lord. My wife, anyway, is in the bathroom. And the person that got saved, she was searching. Yeah. She was looking. 
And not long after, her two boys and then her husband. Amen. Because she was searching. Yeah. There's people just like that in Toronto. Yeah. There might be someone you know like that. And the reality is, she, I don't want you to think, well, the first person that comes like that, they'll get saved right away. No, it took over a year. And working with her, work, and it took much longer than her husband. I remember going to visit her husband, and he'd bring out his beer and plop it right down there and like tempt me to tell me about Jesus. I'd do it anyway. It's fine. You're not scaring me with a bottle of beer. You need the Lord. You know? And he got saved eventually. I mean, it was amazing. But it all started because this lady was like Lydia, and she was searching. Then there's that demon-possessed girl in, in verse number 16. And a certain uh, came to pass, as we went to pray, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of denovation, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. And, and then Paul goes on uh, you know, to confront the, the possessed uh, demon, the one who's possessing that girl, and cast out that demon. She's changed by the Lord, amen? The Lord changed her. I think about this girl. Wasn't her situation hopeless? Yeah. I can't think of a more hopeless situation. You're not in control. Because that demon-possessed lady was not in control. And the people were trying to control her, the wicked men, were making dishonest gain on her. I mean, she was in a hopeless place. Yeah. Hopeless situation. And Paul uses Paul, or Lord uses Paul to bring her freedom through the Lord Jesus Christ. I've met lots of hopeless people in my time. Yeah. In the rural areas to the urban areas. Hopelessness doesn't, is not bound by an area. Right. It's all over. Amen. And I can think of just recently a guy in, uh, in, in Toronto here. I, I was introduced by a family member. He's in need of help, you know, drug addict and things. And I was able to meet with him, encourage with him. And he tells me he accepted Christ as Savior. Praise the Lord. I wasn't there at the moment, but encourage him with the word of God. Encourage him to be in church. And there's hope in his life now. Yeah. It's evident. There's hope. He's still got problems. Oh, yeah. He's still got struggles. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. But he has now a no longer a hopeless case. He has hope in Christ. Amen. You know, and there's all kinds of those people around here. All over the place. You know, does it take more work? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But the Lord can help because the Lord has hope. Amen. He is hope. And then it's the jailer. I really want to look at the jailer this morning. He's the third type. So he was provoked by uh, fear. Then his faith. It's interesting to note that the jailer didn't take the time to secure all the prisoners, right? He jumps right into Paul's cell. That's the idea. He rushed in. He was flying into that cell. What is going on here? What's happening? And he's not trying to save his own skin now. He is searching. He has some desires spiritually that weren't there just a few hours before. I mean, he was involved with hurting these guys before. When he put Paul and Silas in those uh, feet, um, in verse 24, made their feet fast in the stocks. I, well, I'm sure he wasn't putting them nice and gently. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I have to do this. I, I, I'll put a little bit of uh, uh, grease or something on there so it doesn't hurt so much. No, he was throwing them in there. Yeah. And the idea is uh, that uh, fast is firm. There's no wiggle room. They're, you know, they're stuck there. And just before he was doing that, now, no doubt, that night, he put him in there, and he's probably all proud of himself. I did my job well. I don't know if he had a sleeping quarters in the jail. He had somewhere to sleep, and he's sitting there, and then he hears those goofballs singing. Can't they be quiet? Yeah. You know, what? what is going on? And we're not giving a whole background, but I know men, you know people, 
You know how people act and react? And he hears it. Maybe at first he's annoyed. I wish they would shut up. Maybe even yells at them to be quiet. They kept going. And they keep singing about Jesus. They keep quoting verses. I just wonder if there wasn't just a spark in his heart. Like, what's that all about? How can, how can these... They're in the innermost prison. This is not where you get the best meals, folks. You don't get anything here. You know, they're in the innermost part. And he's probably thinking is. What's this? But then he says, oh, I'm okay. I'm fine. I've got a good job. I mean, the jailer's job was good outside of you lose a prisoner, you're dead. But outside of that, you had a good job. He's got a family. We know that. Maybe he's got some, you know, a bunch of kids and they're good kids. His wife is a great wife. He's got a place to live. I'm fine. I don't need that. But now his eyes are open. I need what they have. I need what he's talking about. That's how salvation begins in everybody's heart. There's a moment of quickening, a conviction that we understand we're lost. And he have he quitting who are dead in trespasses and sin. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I appreciate that prayer this morning about praying for the lost. I've come to the point after witnessing some people for so long, like, Lord, convict them. Mm-hmm. Bring the conviction. I can't do it. They've been told the truth. Convict them of their sin. Help them understand they need Christ. Conviction is amazing. We don't like it much. We feel convicted about something. And I'm not talking about in the spiritual in the spiritual realm of just individual Christian living. But when we're lost and we get convicted, boy, oh boy, that's tough. But we need to react on it and say, hey, I'm going to accept Christ as Savior. God uses both the physical and the spiritual to open man's eyes to the need of salvation. He can take things away. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? And he goes, uh, Paul points the jailer to the Lord. Paul responds to the question. He says, points the jailer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's who you need. That's who you need. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Verse 31. There's no salvation any other but Christ. I'm fully aware that in our society today, people are finding good things in all religions. Right? That's what they talk about. I know. I live here. There's aspects of all those religions of the world that have an appeal to certain people. And I know, just as your pastor mentioned, there's good people in those different religions. Mm-hmm. But there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's it. And you, you speak that, and people get all upset and huffy-puffy. That's fine. But it's still the same. Yeah. Still true. Amen. It's always Christ. And they say you're narrow-minded, uh, and so forth not. Hey, the Word of God teaches it, and I believe the Word of God. It is so. It's it. There's nothing else. And we need to make sure that we understand how important that is to tell people. Jesus is the one who left heaven to be born amongst us. Christmas music on the way down this morning. All right. There's no snow in the air. It's nice and mild. But that's what we we celebrate at Christmas, right? He came. And we're excited that he came. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He's the same one who lived a perfect, sinless life. No sin, neither guile was found in him. He's the one who died on the cross. Died on the cross for you and for me, for everyone. And he's going to, ret- he's going to return. Yeah. I can't wait for the rapture. Come on, let's get out of here. But until then, we have a job to do. Mm-hmm. To tell other people the same thing. If any other method is being used for salvation, it is a wrong method. Yeah. And message, it's wrong. It's only through Christ. 
So he responds and says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on him. That he's to place his faith in Christ and him alone for salvation. At this point, the jailer does not know all about the message of the gospel. He doesn't know every inch of it. He doesn't understand every aspect of it. But this is the basis, right? Faith. You've got to have faith. You've got to be faith in Christ. And this is where so many people miss salvation, or they kind of get it all messed up in their head, I guess. They can't grasp the fact that people are saved by faith in Christ alone. They can't grasp that. Or they could have a faith like that. But you know what? Everyone puts their faith in something. Everyone. You all put faith in something this morning. So I was here and I was watching. I know it sounds kind of creepy, right? I'm watching. Every one of you sat in that chair. Nope, not one of you picked up your chair and examined it to make sure all the screws were in it or it wasn't cracked or anything like that. You know, some of you just you you nicely sat in it. Others of you just flopped in it. You just trusted, didn't you? We do that every day. Every day we put our trust in things. You get in your car, I'm trusting. Sometimes when the car is not working right, you're like, oh, Lord, please make it work. You know, but we put our trust in things all the time. So how is it so much harder to put your faith in Christ? It's because you don't want to. I'm looking for other things that would please my flesh. That's what the reality is. It We, we can trust. Uh, a missionary in Africa many years ago, he was trying to translate the Gospel of John into that tribe's language. I don't even know what tribe it was. But he was really stuck on the word that believeth in John 3.16. Like what, what word would really be a suitable word? They didn't have the word believe in their language that we would have. What would be a good native tongue translation for this really, it's a really important word. What would be a good one? And he struggled this for days. And then one day as he was working on it, a young lad came running to the missionary house and he came into the missionary's porch and he flopped down on the chair right next to the missionary. And he said, uh, he said a native tongue, it says, it feels good to cast my whole weight on this chair. That's what the word meant. I cannot pronounce the word, so that's why I'll tell you what it means. But that's what it meant in that language. And the man, the missionary is like, that's what it is. Cast your whole weight on him. Cast your whole weight on him. He will not let you down. He won't. A chair might fail, and that's super embarrassing and hurtful when it does fail. Christ never fails. He never fails. He, He is always true. And some people have it up here. They, under, they can understand the concept. They're like, yeah, yeah, I, I think, I, you know. But they don't put their trust in it. I can look at that chair all day long and say, yeah, I think it can take me. Yeah, I think it can. But until I actually sit on it, I'm not putting my trust in it, am I? And, that, and it really goes back to us as individual believers being that testimony to help get that person passed. I know we need to pray for them, pray for conviction, all those other things. But we need to show the light that we are sitting in the chair. We can trust Christ. You can trust Christ too. He changed my life. And your testimony, your story is important. Never mitigate how important your story is. I'm not saying you're better than anybody else. Nope. No, none of that. But what Christ did for you is what Christ did for you. Tell it. People can scoff at it, whatever, but you're living proof it's true. And you can point it back. Hey, I got saved. I saw what the word of God says, what it's preached. I believe it. It follows the promise, thou shalt be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The word saved is an incredible word. 
It means to be rescued from all harm and danger, to be safe and sound. I love being saved. It's a wonderful thing. We're safe from danger. That's not to say that I can't go out and fall down and break my leg or something like that. But spiritually, I am safe for eternity. It never fades away. Still good. God's word, its promises is secure. I never wake up in the morning fearing about hell. No, I might worry about some other things. And worries the same. That's a different topic again. But the reality is I could worry about some other things. But I never, because I can look at the God's word and says, oh, that's not my destination. My destination is heaven. Yeah. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, it's so grand. It's so wonderful. We have security in him. Amen. We're secure. Isn't our world totally insecure? Mm-hmm. Like there's all kinds of, you watch the news all the time, you'd be surprised how you get out of bed. You might as well stay there and get some extra blankets. You know, it's incredibly insecure. And, and, and I know there's a lot of fear being propagated and things as well. But, hey, we're secure in Christ. Amen. No, nothing's ever going to take us away. Thou shalt be saved. That's a wonderful. And the results of salvation. So, he, and they spake unto him the word of the Lord, verse 32, and to all that were in his house. And they took the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his straight way. So, Verse 30, uh, before the verse 32, this man was involved in hurting those boys, those lads, Paul and Silas. Now we see the results of salvation. You get saved, it results in a different life. It leads you to different works, good works. And now he's, he's bringing them in. And when we trust Jesus Christ, the Lord works in our hearts and he has a plan for us after salvation. He goes, follow me. And it's, it's not by our works to save us. It's, that's the result of us being saved. Ephesians 2, uh, I have mentioned this earlier uh, this morning. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Now works less, many men should boast. Once you trust Christ as Savior, there's going to be a difference. As soon as man gets saved, change is evident. Now verse 24, who, this is the jailer, who have received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet uh, 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 fast in the stocks. Now, he was dealing harshly with these guys. Um, thrust. Now, we understand what that is, is a pushing or whatever, but the idea is to throw, though. And even, who here has kids or has dealt with kids? Okay, anybody? A few of us? Okay. I think about this is when we come into the house and the shoes are thrust <laughs> all over the place. You know what I'm talking about? It's like kick, flick. You know, away it goes in the corner. I've actually seen it in homes where someone comes in, flicks, and knocks over the, uh, the plant or hits someone else. There's no care. Who cares where it goes? You know, whip, flip. And he's the same idea with the, with the jailer. He takes these guys and he throws them in there. He doesn't care about them. Get in the stocks. Don't even talk to me. Flap, flap. And now he's washing their stripes. Now there's a lot of care, isn't it? Before, it was thrust. I don't care about you. Now, oh, let, let's get the best healing balm we can to put on the stripes. And, oh, let's, uh, honey, let's get this over here. This, this is a good remedy to, to help with the sword. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, now it's different. Now, because of the Lord. He's a new creature. He's a new creature. And getting baptized, and he's serving the men of God. And this is an experience that we have when we trust by faith in Jesus Christ. We're changed. There's a new desire. To be living for Christ. To be the vessel for his glory. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You know, every one of you have different abilities. All right? I don't even know you to know what they are. Uh, I just think in my own experience in different ministries I've been involved with, some people are amazing at baking. I, I really enjoy those people. Okay? Uh, I have a problem with food. I eat too much. But at any rate, but I've seen people with that gift who've made cookies or breads and bring them to someone who's having a hard time. I'm going to tell you, especially over COVID, I see that happen a couple of times. That made a massive impact on people. One, you thought about me. Mm-hmm. Two, you, you brought it to me and you told me why. And three, I get to enjoy it. Yeah. It's just something extra nourishing about that love in that food. The reality is they did it because that was their gift. They, that's what God has allowed them to have. and They're using it for his honor and glory. Whatever it is that God's given you, use it. Use it. The Bible said they rejoiced. There was rejoicing in that house. There's happiness in that house. There was praise to the Lord in that house. Can you imagine how awesome it must have been there that night? You know, maybe the, the, the jailer is retelling the story. I think he might be part Newfoundlander. Newfoundlanders love stories, and he's telling the story. He's telling a yarn. And he says, Paul, when I heard you and, and Silas singing tonight, I thought you guys were absolutely lost your minds. I thought they beat you so bad your minds were broken or something. But now I know. Now I know why you're singing. Now I join you singing. Teach me some of those songs. He never heard those songs before. Yeah. Teach me. Uh, I mean, there was a couple songs here today. I was, well, the one for sure I never heard before. Um, teach me the song. Yeah. I leant over to my wife. You know this song? I know. She knows everything. So, <laughs> at any rate, about singing, about singing. Oh my, I'm going to be in trouble later. But, at any rate, uh, the reality is, you know, we need to be using those gifts and looking to the Lord and praising Him. Making, meeting Jesus, accepting Him as your Savior makes all the difference in this life and the one to come. Amen. Makes all the difference. He transforms the dead to living, the lost is found. The miserable has joy. The sinner into a saint. He fills the heart with joy and peace and satisfaction. That does, I'm, I'm not suggesting for a moment that you win a million dollars when you get saved. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in here. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of really unhappy people who've got all kinds of things. Now, you know what they're serving? They're serving things when they need to be serving master. And you're like, Pastor Alcock, why are you speaking about this on our mission's emphasis? Like, we're, we're looking to, to go forward for the Lord and giving. Well, this, because the, the missionary you're going to support, these are the people they're going to reach. Yeah. These are the people you're reaching. These are the people you're reaching. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we understand better what the mission's all about. It helps us be a little bit more willing to give. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm giving that to help that missionary go to Japan. I mentioned a, a guy in my church loves Japan. And he, he, he wants to help missionaries in Japan. And they're there reaching the people who are, are very foreign to the gospel. We support missionaries in our church who are in restricted countries. And they're doing their very best. And I mentioned, oh, I was talking to one recently. And I said, how does it work telling those about the Lord? Like, he said, they're all full of questions. They have no idea, but they're searching for answers. They're searching for answers. 
Jesus lifted that curtain of gloom from their soul and you know, shows them, hey, the profound joy. You know Christ is Savior, things are different. That jailer represents that third group of people that we get to minister to. And I've had the opportunity to lead to Christ and people like that. This past summer, uh, I met a man who was just like the jailer. He had a good job, still does have a good job. Wonderful little children, beautiful wife, lovely wife. He started attending our church. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter the size of your church. As a pastor, you know when there's someone new. I mean, unless it's thousands. We don't run thousands at our church. Uh, but we knew right away there's someone new, especially when they come in tow with kids and mom. I mean, that's a family unit. You know that they're new. So I went and talked to them after, uh, started asking some questions and started ch- chatting things. And he said, let's go for coffee. I'm like, we're on. You're talking coffee, I'm there. So we sat down uh, at a coffee shop. And he started to tell me about how he came to know Christ the Savior. He told me about how he had his life all together. And about 11, 12 years ago, a mutual friend had told him about Jesus Christ. And he said, you know, he told me about Christ, and I thought he was a little loopy. That, that's his own terminology. I thought he was a little loopy. But he said, still my friend. We'd grown up together, went to the same school, played hockey together, whatever sports. So we kind of stayed in contact, but obviously their past had changed, right? This guy, the mutual friend, accepted Christ. He was living a different way than he was. Then long comes COVID. Struck. Well, his job got paused. And he didn't know what his future held for him. One day, if everything was fine, you know, this was the path he told me about, all their plans, and they're going to do this. The typical Southern Ontario mindset. I mean, whatever, get the cottage later and all this stuff and, you know, all those things. That was their plan. And then one day to the next, it's all blown to pieces. All blown to pieces. His dreams, plans, up and spoke. He said, I started searching for answers for my questions. He said, I had a lot. What's going to happen to my daughters? What's going to happen to my, my, my family unit? What's, what's going on? And he said, I started remembering asking, or the the testimony of his friend got reconnected with this mutual friend of ours and got saved mm. over the telephone Amen. guys in a different country led him to Christ on the telephone Amen. he was the jailer yeah. he had it all figured out had all the, all the ducks in a row everything was going good and then the Lord intervened mm-hmm. lost, that, lost some opportunities didn't know what was going to happen for the future unknown uncertain Now, by his own testimony today, he is changed. He has peace. He has joy. Does that mean that everything's perfect? No, he'd be the first one to tell you it's not perfect. But he has peace and joy in Christ. That is Jesus. That's who that is. And that's the whole purpose of missions, is that, hey, we want people around the world to know about Jesus Christ. It is the responsibility of the local church to do that, to tell those here. But you can't go to Australia. I mean, I would like to go to Australia, but I'm not going to live there. But I mean, me going once and telling a few people about Christ is great, but it'd be way better than someone there all the time telling someone about Christ. Who's having a church like this. And that's the whole purpose behind it. We want to see people get saved. We want to see people get baptized, be part of that local church. Like we talked this morning, a strong local church. 
And then they get to do it again and maybe they'll send someone a new guinea and so forth and so on. It's amazing. And it's all the responsibility of the local church. Yeah. It's great if people in high places of authority are excited about the gospel. That is wonderful. But it's not their responsibility. It's the church's responsibility. Right. Ours. Ours. Your mission, Sparrow Baptist Church, you like it or not, this is not accepting the mission. This is your mission is to reach folks for Christ. To grow, nurture in the truth. That's what Paul was doing that, that night. After he got saved, he brought him back to his house. He baptized them. He was helping them understand the truths of the gospel. He was discipling them. Another part of the responsibilities of the local church. And that missionary you'll support wherever he goes will do the exact same thing. Reach people. Disciple in the word of God. And then it's exciting to hear that then they send someone out. Guess what? You're investing in someone else's future that you don't even know about. It's amazing. Totally incredible. And never downplay the importance of prayer in as you pray for your missionaries. 80 odd years ago, actually more than that, back in the early 1900s, a missionary showed up in a little town. Uh, it's a vacation Bible school ministry that was going on. Showed up in a little town in Newfoundland and led my great grandfather to Christ. His kids grew up. My grandmother, she got away from the Lord. She was saved at a young age. Got away, married my grandfather, who was not saved. Just returned from the war. Pretty hardened individual. He prayed for the rest of his life, my great-grandfather, that he would get saved. He didn't get saved during his lifetime, but he got saved later. Isn't it amazing my prayers of my grandfather are affecting you right now? That's, a, that's pretty incredible. I get a little goose pimples thinking about it. And it's just not because it's my family. It's for everybody's family. The, your prayers be answered and they affect so many more people. Missions is important. It's life-changing. That we can easily get that inward focus, as your pastor mentioned earlier. We need to be focused on the outward. Who can we, who can we reach? And that's what the, the whole uh, situation with Paul and Silas were. They were doing their best to reach the lost for Christ. People in that city need the answers. There's people in this city need the answers. They might not ask it the same way. They might ask, how do you know? How are you sure? That, hey, there's an example of your testimony. How are you sure? Well, let me tell you how the Lord has changed my life. Let me show you from the word of God how I know it to be true. Let me encourage you to be involved in missions because involved with missions helps answer the greatest question in this world. Yeah. That's what missions does. Here and abroad. And I don't know about you, but I know there's loved ones who are praying for there are lost family members right now, and you could be the answer to that prayer by helping that missionary go wherever they're going. Or maybe they're in this town or in this city, and you could be the witness for Christ. Hey, be the answer to the greatest question. Yeah. And Jesus is the answer. We can lead people to him. We can show people Christ. And remember, there's people like Lydia. There's people like that demon-possessed girl. And there's people like jailers in your life, in your city. Let's be reaching them. Dear Jesus, Thank you for this time. Thank you for this church. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage their hearts. Lord, as they endeavor, they, they cast off as such into missions. Lord, I pray that you would work in their hearts. And Lord, allow it to be out of a heart of love for you. Because they care.